This is Peter Sumner of Crashing Wayward, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 382 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always, and this week we've got a fun one for you because Peter Summit of Crashing Wayward is returning to the podcast. He's here to talk about the band's new album, Listen, and a ton of other great stuff. We're going to get to that here shortly, talk about another couple things beforehand as always. I'm recording this in between work trips in Colorado and San Francisco. I didn't think I was going to be able to get this out this week, but I am very happy that I am able to. This was recorded, I think, about three weeks ago, so it's due time that we get this episode out for you featuring Peter. He was actually on his podcast on episode 372. That was only 10 episodes ago, but it was actually, I should have looked at the date, and I believe it was like March maybe now, because there was a period between April and May where I only got a couple episodes out, you know, so that's why. It's only been 10 episodes, but there's been some time in there. So I was very happy to get Peter back on here to, you know, to talk about the album now that it's out and that I had a chance to hear all the music. But before we jump into that, I need to let you know who we're sponsored by, and that would be Sunset Tattoo. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed, and they are mother approved. Well over 25 years of experience from Jake and his crew over there at Sunset Tattoo. If you call or message ahead of time, you can set up a time to go in and talk about what work you're looking to have done. They also accept walk-ins. They're great at suggestions and helping you through if you're not exactly sure what you're looking for. Hit him up on the socials. Facebook and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. There's tons of photos on there from throughout the years. They specialize and excel at all different styles. I've personally had work done by Jake. I know many others that have as well. I'm very happy with it and I'm looking forward to having more done here in the near future as well, which is what you need to do. So hit up Sunset Tattoo. And let them you know her. Let let them know you heard about them right here on Thunder Underground. We've also got Deb Concerts, a concert promoter based right here in Tulsa, who has brought tons of great acts to the area over the past several years. Bands like Megadeth, Poison, Tom Kiefer, Lamb of God, L.A. Guns, Snoop Dogg, Nelly, Ice Cube, Saxon, Last in Line, Buck Cherry, Winger. The list is great and long. Hit up debconcerts.com to be kept up to date on everything they're doing. Follow them on the socials. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all DEB Concerts. DEB Concerts also books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year is no exception, and Rocklahoma is coming up here very shortly. Less than a month away, it's Labor Day weekend. Three days of rock and roll, but there's actually four. And if you have the ticket to all three days, you can go to that fourth day, which is the pre-party, which is entirely put on on the Roadhouse stage by DEB Concerts. And that'll be headlined by Warrant. LA Guns will also be on that stage. It's a full night of rock and roll. You don't want to miss it. The other three days of Rocklahoma on the Roadhouse stage, it'll be headlined by Buck Cherry, Skid Row, and Kicks. All three of those bands are amazing live bands as well. Skid Row has a great new singer, Eric Gronwall, who is fucking phenomenal. You don't want to miss that. And Kicks, like I've said every week. Their final performance is maybe a month and a half after Rocklahoma in the Baltimore area. So this is one of the final shows that Kicks will ever be doing. I know bands come back all the time, but Kicks is one of those bands that if they say they're retiring, for some reason I kind of believe it. 
They've been doing this for 40 years, and they're one of the best live bands that you will ever see. In fact, of the 15 years of Rocklahoma that I've been to, all 15 kicks in year number two was my favorite performance in the history of Rocklahoma. That's something else I'm going to be talking about here coming up soon because we're going to do a Rocklahoma preview episode like I do every year. And I've got a special guest that's going to be joining me, someone else that has been to every single Rocklahoma as well. So that'll be fun to talk about. But in the meantime, do not forget to hit up DEB Concerts on all the socials. And if you're out there, of course, say hey to me. Say hey to Doug Burgess from DEB Concerts and tell him thanks for everything he does at Rocklahoma and for the Oklahoma area as well. All right, before we jump into this interview with Peter, something I want to talk about is something that was just announced two or three days ago. A super group has formed, which, whoa, I know that's a big shocker, and I say that sarcastically, but hey, I'm not saying that sarcastically about supergroups because I fucking love them. You know, any of these ones that come out in the rock or metal world, I check them out. More often than not, I like them. Some of them fall flat. Some of them are beyond amazing. You know, like the Night Flight Orchestra or the Winery Dogs. I mean, we're talking next level bands. Some of the best musicians in the world coming together and making an amazing band. But throughout the past, you know, decade or so, there's been tons of supergroups formed and tons of them have just been, pro- you know, quote unquote projects to where they record an album, don't really ever tour. You know, Revolution Science is an example. They put out great music, but, you know, they don't go out and tour or anything because all those guys have major projects going on. Frontiers Records has put out tons of these. Other, you know, guys in the metal world have, you know, formed these things, especially during the pandemic. It happened a lot. But getting to the point here, this one that was just announced, it almost feels like it was tailor-made just for me. You know, as I'm a fan of these guys individually, and I'm really looking forward to what they do when they come together. You've got Jack Gibson from Exodus on bass. Then on the drums, you've got Jason Bittner from Shadows Fall and Overkill. Jason Bittner is one of the best drummers in metal. He is one of the most underrated drummers in metal, in my opinion, because you don't hear his name come up the way it should, I think when you're talking about those guys. Phenomenal drummer. And that's just the beginning here, folks. Mike Orlando, the guitarist from Adrenaline Mob. This guy is a phenom. And when I was talking to this, talking to Jason, who used to co-host this podcast with me about this, as much as I love the next couple guys I'm going to mention You know, Jason mentioned it is so cool to see Mike Orlando involved in something like this because since Adrenaline Mob disbanded, you know, you haven't really seen much from him outside of a couple solo things. So it's really cool to see him involved in something like this. Then you've got Phil Dimmel, the guitarist of Violence and the former guitarist of Machine Head. Machine Head's one of my all-time favorite metal bands. You know, Phil Dummel wasn't the original guitarist, Logan Matter was, but Phil was there during a huge chunk of Machine Head's career and put out some of their best music. Phenomenal guitar tone, phenomenal sound, absolutely love this guy. And if you've paid attention to the world of metal in the past few years, this guy has stepped in at the drop of a hat for several different bands. 
including Slayer and others, like at the, I'm talking like some of these have been like on two days notice where someone got sick or someone had to leave a tour or something happened. Phil Dimmel is now the go-to guitarist and this guy does it and does it at the highest level. Okay, and then every band has to have a vocalist. And when it comes to heavy metal, you know, my favorite vocalist of all time is Mike Patton. But I don't consider... I've never looked at him as a metal vocalist, even though obviously what Mr. Bungle is doing now is metal. Phantomus is metal. Tomahawk is metal. But I didn't really look at, you know, old Mr. Bungle and Faith No More as metal, even though metal, you know, Faith No More definitely has metal tendencies, especially, you know, on Angel Dust and King for a Day. But the point being said, my favorite straight up heavy metal vocalist of all time is John Bush of course, of Armored Saint, and formerly of Anthrax. The guy is just, you know, I don't even need to put it into words. If you listen to metal, you know what John Bush can do. So there you go. Those five guys together, you know, I'm sure I'm hyping myself up too much, but it said they're working on an album. The band name is as yet undisclosed. So as soon as there's more information on that, I'm sure I'll be talking about it. As far as rock and metal go, hard rock and metal, the past couple weeks, just the other day, last Friday, Mammoth, WVH, Wolfgang Van Halen's band, the new album just came out last Friday, called Mammoth 2. You gotta wonder. I don't know why, you know, I swear I wasn't going to do this, because every other dumbass does it. I somehow have to bring up Van Halen. You know, when you're talking about Wolfgang, it's his last name, but I meant the actual band. I'm just bringing it up because I just, I just, I just thought of that Van Halen one and Van Halen two. Is he can, you know, they didn't have Van Halen three until almost 20 years later, I guess. But so maybe, you know, I wonder if he'll do that. The third album will have a title and then, then we'll jump to Mammoth three, like 20 years down the road. Cause I guarantee you this guy is going to be doing this thing for a long time. This album's phenomenal, just like the first one. If you're not checking out Mammoth and you're into stuff like, you know, Alter Bridge, Tremonti, Seven Dust, that vein of hard rock and metal, you'll absolutely love Mammoth. You know, he's a phenom at everything. You know, the bass, the guitar, his vocals, everything he does, he does it at a high level. You know, I guess when you have that Van Halen blood running through you, that's just the way things work. And also, speaking of Seven Dust, the week before that, their newest album came out, and it's fucking killer as well, because Seven Dust doesn't do anything less than killer. The first couple songs are a little bit different for Seven Dust. There's some even heavier than normal stuff for Seven Dust with vocal-wise and everything. It's just, but it's got your signature Seven Dust on there as well. So definitely check that one out if you're a fan. All right, let's jump into this. Crashing Wayward, like I said earlier. Ten episodes ago, Peter was on here, but he wasn't alone. He was also with Sean McKee, the drummer of Crashing Wayward. So that's a cool episode that you should go back and check out. We talked about, at that point, the upcoming album, and we talked about a lot of other great stuff, you know, that the band had going on at those, you know, the two of their histories, how the band came together, all that stuff. But on this one, you know, Peter and I focused more on the, on the album Listen which, pun intended, you definitely need to do. Listen to this album. 11 tracks, 
34 minutes long. You know, you got to love albums like that. You pack it all in. There's no filler. That's what you want from your music, right? My favorite track on this is Breathe. And I spoke about this before. Actually, last time I had him on, I talked about this. I just latched onto this song the first time I heard it. It's the first song I heard from them. And then I went back and checked out the other singles that they had before that, like Disco Kills and Stranger Days. Both excellent songs. And the cool thing about those three songs, when I'd heard them, they all three vary in styles from each other. And then this album came out, 11 tracks, and it does the same thing. All these songs, which is something else we talked about here and we talked about it last time, is that these guys are great at bringing in all different styles of rock, hard rock, alternative, heavy stuff. You might even get a little bluesy or zeppelin-y at times. Just Peter is a huge fan of the cult, you know, and you got that kind of, I don't even know what the right word is to use, you know, when you think of Ian Astbury and, you know, the stuff he's done with the cult and what he did with the doors, that Jim Morrison essence, and then like, like I said, Zeppelin. When you, when you think of all that stuff, that kind of, the ambiance, ambiance that that kind of music brings when it's not just your straightforward hard rock. You know, that's what Crashing Wayward does. Even though I'm not saying they sound like either of those bands, you know, which is, which is great, which is what you want. Crashing Wayward also features Stacy David Blades, who was a member of LA Guns at one point. Like I said earlier, Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns have been on this podcast before. Side note, check that out if you have not. But anyway, listen, it's a phenomenal album. They also talk about, Peter also talks about their album release show that quote-unquote opened by Shinedown. You know, their album release show was built around this acoustic performance by Shinedown. And it was this huge event that they kind of put together in Vegas, which is a really cool deal. Kind of a side note, you know, this is two episodes in a row now where we're talking about Shinedown through someone else because Chris McLernan, the bass player from Saigon Kick and Cold Sweat, now has a band called Canel. He was on recently, we talked about that. And his new album by Canel, you know, was mixed by Eric Bass of Shinedown. He talked a lot about Brent Smith. Barry Kirsch, the drummer, played drums on the Canel album. You know, going back a few years, I'll bring this back around to this podcast. Jason Todd, the original guitarist from Shinedown, was on this podcast. So that's one you can check out as well. Enough about Shinedown. We're here to talk about Crash and Wayward. So what we're going to do now is just jump into this and let... Peter tell you some stuff because I'm sure that's why you're here. So here you go. Here's Peter Summit of Crashing Wayward. Since last time I talked to you, a lot's happened. Albums come out. You've had an album release show. Lots of stuff been going on. Like, yeah. You know, how's the last couple months been for you in general? Like, you know, how's it felt? Uh, it feels amazing to finally have the album out there. Um, honestly, uh, we are ready for a lot more, you know. Um, but 
it's great. The reception that we've been getting so far on the album is amazing. Um, knock on wood, there hasn't been anything that has brought us to tears uh, in, you know, like anger or sadness that a bad review or anything. And, um, <laughs> you know, the reception has been super awesome um, just on everything so far. So we're just trying to get as many eyes on us as possible at this point. And hopefully uh, we have enough on this album that will carry us through at least, you know, well into next year. We have some uh, good ideas that I think we're going to start rolling out here soon. So I'm sure because you had you guys had three songs out there for quite a while. So I'm sure being able to get all these tracks out for everybody to hear, you know, to hear finally feels good after a couple of years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like uh, it's cool because. You know, I've been listening to these songs and it's kind of like from the infancy state of tracking to rough mixes to even just sitting on the final mixes for a little bit, you know, just planning on its release. Um, you know, we have those and I could listen to those for the last, you know, year and a half or so. And uh, you think that it kind of gets old and then you put out the work you know, and it's brand new even for me again, which is really awesome. And what's really cool too is kind of like uh, what people are gravitated to as far as what are their favorite songs, you know, some that I thought would be like the most uh, definite as the top five or so. It's actually kind of like uh, there's some surprise like sleepers for me that are like people are really gravitating towards. So it's really cool to see. So it's all fresh and new, you know, what I mean, what have you heard from people like as far as that goes, like that, that it surprised you as far as the album tracks? Yeah, I think that because, you know, we're like a rock band. And right now, um, especially under RFK, uh, a lot of our fans are like the core, you know, rock fan, hard, you know, hard rock and some metal right. and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, we're kind of like on that, you know, umbrella of like modern alternative hard rock spectrum. And so I thought that a lot of people be gravitated towards the really heavier stuff at first, which they are. But surprisingly, when, you know, people are coming back and saying Stranger Days is their favorite or Tilly is their favorite or Velvet's Drawn, which are like the more mid-tempo. Um, I, I, I use the term ballad loosely on those, but, uh, you know, that those are resonating with people, you know. And um, I think just musically and lyrically, it's kind of like hitting people in a different way. It's really cool. My first listen, I did gravitate towards the heavier stuff, you know, kind of like Death on Holiday or Shake the Dead Awake. Right. But really, after listening to it, Paper Airplane Heart really jumped out to me. And that's kind of one oh, cool. I went back to, I think, more than any of them when I've listened to the album. Oh, that's awesome. And that's it's cool that you say that because uh, we've actually adopted that kind of like as our icon right now, which is... Uh, a paper airplane heart it's on our instagram oh, okay. uh, so yeah people have been uh you know really kind of resonating with that one as well too so it's really cool to hear that it has for you as well i mean the thing that jumped out to me most about this album is something you know we had talked about before and i'm sure you've talked about in many interviews is the varying sounds that you guys do it's cool to hear it all in, in a cohesive album where you've got like you said alternative sounds hard rock sounds kind of esoteric sounds at times and it all kind of yeah. just works together and flows well. Right. Yeah. I think that's, uh, we were really trying to be mindful of that as well too, with um, 
kind of like the sequence of the album because you know a lot of you, you can with the way people listen to music now digital you know with digitally and streaming and everything you can just kind of like feel like you can just throw it out there and people will just play whatever ones they like you know but for us we really wanted to make sure that I know that when I listen to an album, I want to hear it from its sequence and how it feels and flows and everything. And um, so we were really mindful with that and putting it together. Um, so I think there's, you know, nice little ebbs and flows in there, like uh, what you're speaking of, for sure. Well, what you just said kind of goes into a question I had. I've always kind of wondered about bands on their debut album. You know, obviously, a lot of thought process goes into the sequencing of these songs. So whenever you go into the live setting and you're playing songs off of one album, I assume that the the instinct is to want to play these songs in order that they are on the album, but most right. people don't do that. So like, right. how do you rearrange them for the live show to where it still makes sense to you? Uh, I think that really comes down to a lot of that, you know, uh, musically that's going to come down to, because um, right now we don't have guitar techs, you know, uh, sometimes we do. It depends on what show we're playing. Uh, if we're on the road, usually it's just us. So guitar changes go into play with that, you know, depending on what song is going into what key and and stuff like that. So that's one way that we kind of put something together. But energetically, um, you know, we kind of come out with the first three are like, you know, we're setting the tone. You know, we're getting people up and trying to get them all up front and in our face because we're full energy. So I mean, our, I, I feel like our shows are nonstop. So those first three songs, we're going to hit them, you know, and then we might just kind of take it down a little bit here and there. So it's 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 always kind of like a work in progress. It depends on what our set is like, you know, if we have a 30 minute set or in most cases, we're we're playing hour long sets. So that's about 15 songs for us because our album is only about 35 minutes long. So. We throw in a couple of new ones and a couple of covers that are really fun to do that get people really, you know, up and into it and singing with us. But yeah, it's always a work in progress. We've definitely had some sets where it's like that one didn't really feel as good, you know. Uh, so in rehearsal, we'll put something together that really feels good to us. And if it can really work within those guitar changes and not cutting out too much time, because uh, we really like to flow in to uh, some songs nicely rather than just cut and stop at every song, you know? Yeah. Um, so I like talking to the crowd, but at the same time, I like to be a little mysterious. Otherwise I start like doing some stand-up comedy and it's really <laughs> bad. So <laughs> try to keep it like moving a little bit. Right. Yeah. Well, once the album came out and you guys have played a couple of some shows since then, have you noticed the crowd like reacting to songs you know that weren't out previously like have you noticed the crowd reacting to certain songs like in a way live oh for sure definitely like kind of going back to uh stranger days and tilly especially live tilly and velvet's drawn live uh people have really been resonating with that big time and also what's really cool is now that people can sing long they know the words yeah and so it's really cool to see them um singing back to us and I know that we have some really awesome fans out there that are they're at every show and they're up front. So I know that I know what songs they really do like and gravitate towards uh, big time. And I know that they know the words. So I'll get right in their face and they'll sing it with me, you know, and they're in the mic there with me. So I really try to 
bring them into our show as well and make everybody feel included. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like random side note, like a decade ago, I went to a Whitesnake show with my ex and we're on the front row and David Coverdale got down in front of the barricade and was walking down and just having people sing along with him. Oh, really? He was singing a new song and <laughs> me and her knew it. And he yeah. came up to us and put the mic in our face and we sang along. Then he went down like three or four people and everybody's just like, so he came back to us and just had the mic in our face for like the next minute and a half. It was pretty funny, but really <laughs> you would think, yeah, he would have like paid attention to what people. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Speaking of the live shows, you guys had this live or excuse me, the album release show here about a month ago, right? Or no, it was actually just like two or three weeks ago, right? It was. Yeah. June 20. Uh, what was it? June 28th, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Awesome new venue. Um, it's originally a uh, like an event space. They were doing like event, uh, you know, corporate events, um, uh, weddings and such like that. But they've opened it up to uh, uh, really try to bring in local bands is what they really want to do is up and coming bands and really give them this full the full treatment. Uh, cause their, their crew there is just amazing. I mean, they've worked with, you know, Justin Timberlake on Saturday night live and stuff like this okay. with their lighting sound. These guys are just road dogs. Um, and they just kind of wanted to, you know, kind of leave the road behind them and just focus here in Las Vegas at, with this, uh, space. And, um, so we had the red carpet rolled out to us and, uh, shine down, uh, opened up the night with a roadie, uh, radio promo show they came in and did about five acoustic songs and then we went on after them um so it was really cool really big space so um we're gonna next time we're there we're gonna pack it even to the hilt you know even more so that's what that's what our goal is but it was it was a great it was we were the inaugural rock band so they've been doing a lot of country stuff out of there recently and stuff so we were the first rock band and um uh yeah just amazing place amazing crew so i I really want to work with them uh on future projects and stuff it allows for a really an immersive experience you know we brought in my brother who's like a world famous uh street artist and his good friend came in and did a live painting of us there and um you know there's food trucks and games it allows for an outside band to be playing as well um yeah so it's just a really amazing place yeah, I'd saw that kind of surrounding it like it was a, an event. So was that something that you guys kind of spearheaded and put together or was that the industrial like like the way they do things or? Right. Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit of both because we kind of um, working with. Uh, we have uh, PR with Mitch Snyder at SRO. Uh, and when we were talking to him about uh, doing a CD release show, he really was pushing us to do something a little bit more outside the box than just go in and play, you know, try to make it a little bit more of an experience. And that resonated with me because I kind of look at, at us as this alternative to just hard rock, almost like in a way that Jane's Addiction was to the Sunset Strip in the late 80s, you know, early 90s, um, where we kind of have this uh, visual and art aspect to our band as well, you know. So at first we were just kind of like looking for a space that could allow us to do that 
and the industrial spit, uh, sound became available to us. And it was just like a no brainer. And they've been doing that as well, too, with their uh, events that they've been doing with the, on the uh, far out far west, I believe it's called. It's the country uh, nights that they've been doing and allows they have a huge space that allows food trucks to come in. They set up games. There's a cigar bar outside and everything. So it was just uh, it was just like kind of like fell on our fell in our lap. And it was like uh, perfect. And it's really kind of like started a, a new relationship with them and here in Vegas. So uh, we're really hoping again to do more with them so we can kind of continue this and kind of just make our shows a little bit more immersive and unique than, you know, I love plugging in and playing. Don't get me wrong, but if we're given an opportunity to make it feel like um, there's a more of an event to it and we can also showcase some of our other passions and stuff within that, then um, I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, with as much stuff as there is out there these days, you got to, like, do something like that to set yourself apart, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard because, um, you know, just like when you're, you know, on Instagram, you know, people are just, you got two seconds to capture somebody, you know? Yeah. You got to get them to click. So if we can get them to capture them with something that's more than just, hey, we're playing, you know, and I, you know, that's awesome. And I know a lot of people will come out and see us just because we are playing, but we want to give them more, you know, more, ba- more bang for their buck, so to speak. So for a, a band on their debut album at a release show, it's got to be like a surreal experience to be going on stage basically as a headliner above a band that headlines arenas. <laughs> so uh, I mean, yeah. What was that experience like going on after Shinedown? Uh, it wasn't, uh, I was not, um, gosh, what would I say? Uh, I wasn't worried at all. I mean, I'm kidding. Uh, He's an amazing singer. So following him is like, oh my gosh, I got to follow him. Yeah. You know, uh, but they were super cool. Uh, they were very kind. Uh, they gave us a shout out before we went on, which is amazing. Um, I mean, they're, you know, they've been around for what, about 20 years now. I mean, they're yeah. who, who is still together and lasts that long. You know, these guys obviously write great songs, uh, amazing band. They're great. And, um, it's kind of, yeah, it, it's surreal, you know, uh, at the same time we knew our place, you know, even though it's like our CD release party where we're, we're kind of like, thank you so much for allowing us to go on, you know, to be here tonight and to share the stage with you. And I think that's kind of like a cool thing. We're very, we're very appreciative of our position. We love our fans after our shows. I mean, I want to talk to everybody, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it it was, yeah, surreal. I guess it's still surreal, you know, now (laughs) that you bring it up, I'm still thinking about it. So was that that was a surprise show or was it announced on the radio that they were playing with you guys or? Yeah, so it was kept secret. Uh, we knew about it going into the night. At first, the show was going to be in July. Actually, this it was going to be this last uh, Friday, July 14th. Um, but because the shine down um, became available to the industrial sound, bringing them in for this uh, private radio event. They asked us if we can come in and move our date up and go on after them. So we had about two or three weeks to really kind of put this together 
So it was just like scrambling. And um, so it wasn't announced at all. Uh, I think it wasn't announced until a few hours before, like, hey, come, you know, Shinedown will be here as well, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was top secret up until hours leading to our show. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that dude's voice is amazing. I've just, yeah, since their debut album, it's just unbelievable right. to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of back to your guys' album for a minute. Something else I noticed is that all these songs are relatively short and like, I think it was five of them or under three minutes. Was this intentional or is this just kind of the way you guys write or? Uh, it definitely, I'm going to credit Dave Harris, our guitarist, Dave on that. He definitely uh, comes from the school of, uh, you know, uh, get us to the chorus. Don't bore us. Yeah. Know, <laughs> is the term that I've come to use on that recently. Uh, and so when I write with him, sometimes I might be asking, you know what, man, I got a little bit more to say here. And if you can give me, you know, another four measures or, you know, maybe eight. And so we have to like, kind of like have a little bit of back and forth and compromise in what feels good to him and what I could write to and feels good with me. So a lot of those songs, um, kind of were written in that way with Dave, uh, whereas Stacy would kind of have a little bit more uh, length, you know, and there's always a guitar solo in there, you know, for his shredding. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, very colorful uh, solos, I should say. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, as together as a band, we had to kind of like work within what everybody's comfortable with. So it just kind of worked out to where, it feels good now we're kind of writing in that kind of way now where it's like let's get to the you know let's get to the course let's get to the hooks and sometimes when i'm writing in the verses i kind of have these different tiers what i try to i don't try to just go a linear verse into a course you know so i'm always trying to find the right melodies to get us there and uh ride this wave quicker kind of, so to speak but um yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a learning curve for me at first, but now it's kind of like, you know, it's just kind of like second nature, muscle memory. Dave will send me a track and tell me, you know, ask me to write to it. And I'm like, all right, I know what to do. I know how to do it now, you know, as opposed to, I don't I don't really have to say, hey, can I get this or can I get that? Um, everybody's kind of writing uh, for me in a way, you know, it's like, of course, they're writing the music that's speaking to them, but it's, they also know, Oh, this will be, I can hear Pete doing this. And so it's kind of just like flowing a lot better now. And we're, we're actually working on a lot of new material right now as well. When you, I mean, when you write, so are you always writing lyrics like after you hear the music or do you ever write stuff? Do you have like a notebook full of stuff you write that kind of thing? Or is it all just after you hear something? Yeah, I have a notebook and I also uh, in my voice notes or uh, I have my voice notes uh, I'll keep in and also just my notes uh, that I'm always have handy and available. But um, I also write without the music. So if I have a start, you know, a song title or an idea or a couple of uh, lines that I'm kind of really vibing with, I'll jot those down. And then when music is sent to me, I'll kind of go back and see uh if that fits with what i'm feeling with the music um also to sometimes when they send me a track 
or if we're in the space, you know, if we're rehearsing or or together, like Dave uh, was just here with me and uh, he'll stay with me and we'll, we'll write out two or three songs right then, you know? So wow. we either are sending songs to each other or if we're in the same space, we're writing, we're working. Um, but um, yeah, I kind of, uh, a lot of times we'll get the inspiration from the track as well too. Sometimes the words will just come to me from hearing what um, I'm given. So that's kind of like how Tilly worked out actually as well. It was just one of those moments in 15 minutes after Stacy giving me the track, telling me a story about um, one of his uh, friend's daughters. And then in 15 minutes, the song was written. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't happen all the time. I wish it did. Sometimes <laughs> I sleep many sleepless nights. Yeah. Many mopey days of being depressed, not finding the right words. My wife, you know, upset at me that I'm so depressed because I can't find the words I'm trying to say, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's a process and uh, I love the process nonetheless. I know last time we talked, you said you had recorded 13 songs, so you had a couple extra and mm. you mentioned writing these like you're already writing other songs. I mean, I know this is pretty premature with you. I'm just coming out, but are you guys like already focusing on that at all or putting stuff aside for the next album cycle? Or are you going to worry about that next year or whenever? Uh, I think we're going to, we, we're tossing a couple of ideas around whether uh, we, I know that we just put out the album and kind of like think how things work now, nowadays with people waterfalling singles, as opposed to putting albums out, you know, to get their algorithms up and keep, you know, Spotify interested and everything like that. So it was really important for us to put out the album because we felt that this was a body of work that we create. We, we spent three years on the making of this, you know, yeah. I mean, we came together as a band in March of 2020 and we put it out this past, uh, you know, June uh, in 2023. So it was just a little bit over three years that the band came together and put the full body of work out. So that really, we had to put that out there and, you know, really kind of like um set the mark for us like this is this is where we're at and this is where we're going to be going and uh so we have some ideas within using the songs in the album whether it's like maybe uh we'll do some acoustic versions or um you know some uh other kind of not necessarily remixes but some other ideas within those songs release a single maybe have an acoustic follow that of the you know version of that and maybe sprinkle a little bit of new songs out there as well in the process. But yeah, definitely. I think that we definitely want to do another album for sure. Um, but I think we want to stretch out this album as long as we can, get us through into uh, next year, you know, maybe into next summer with this album and keep putting out some new stuff within that and then go back in and just put out a full, a full length again was something I'd really love to do hopefully quicker than three years this time <laughs> yes absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah if this was like the 80s and 90s you know when every bands put out an album every three years i can yeah. understand but going back to that instagram or social media where people only give you two seconds you know yeah you're you're here and there so we want to stick around for you know we want to be shined down we want to be here 20 years from now so right well no last time i talked to you sean was with you and he had mentioned that the that the idea or the goal was to, you know, hopefully get on a tour opening for someone after the album was out. 
Right. Is that still like what you guys are looking to do or what are the live plans going forward for the rest of 2023? Yeah. So we're probably going to go back. Uh, we wrapped up our summer shows uh, as of now. So we're going to be booking for October, maybe mid to late September. Uh, David's in another band and he's going to Europe. So we have to work around some other schedules of guys in the in the band as well, too. Um which is unfortunate for me because I love being on stage so much, you know, I just really want to perform, but you know, I'm not going to stand in anybody's way. Uh, But so that's kind of what's happening right now, but we definitely are looking to get on a tour, maybe start something a little bit more regionally to a little bit closer to us and the surrounding areas, whether it's, you know, Utah, Utah, Arizona, uh, California, maybe hopefully get out, more Midwest real soon. And, you know, that could all change, you know, as soon as we uh, get our full-time management and booking agent, I'm hoping we're seeing the world real soon. Um, But yeah, definitely uh, more videos to come and definitely a lot more live shows. So that starting in fall, early fall, we're going to transition to uh, pushing more live shows, more full-time on a regular basis. I know you guys released, yeah, you released the video for Closer here back at, I think it was the end of May. So are you guys, like you said, you're looking to put out more videos this year from the album? Definitely. Uh, I think we want to keep that video rolling, uh, creating that content, um, maybe being a little bit more artistic with it. Uh, Not necessarily. We have three videos now, which are all performance. So maybe doing something that's a little bit more outside the box of performance maybe a little bit more conceptual, uh, you know, lyric videos here and there and stuff like that. But that's probably going to keep us most busy from now until uh, mid-September when we start picking up our shows again. So definitely focusing on doing a little bit more more tracking within, you know, whether it's like kind of like the acoustic stuff we're talking about and doing some videos within that, uh, just continually creating creating more content and keeping uh, making sure that we're out there and getting exposed getting our, you know, uh, making as many fans as we can. So when we do hit those shows, we come to town, it's going to be, you know, as many people up front and seeing them with me. Right. Yeah. Kind of a final question for you. I know we both share a love for the cult. Yes. And I always like, when I think of the cult, you know, outside of the early stuff, like generally, if I listen to them, I go back to Beyond Good and Evil. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering like what your thoughts are on that album, because it kind of came out after they had shifted their sound in the 90s and they kind of went back to that heavy rock sound. And I just wondered, as a fan of both all alternative stuff and harder stuff, like what your thoughts were on kind of that 90s transition from the 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 self-titled album to Beyond Good and Evil. I absolutely loved Beyond Good and Evil. I I loved Beyond Good and Evil. And I'm a huge cult fan. I make I make that known. Anybody that's going to listen to me, I'm going to tell them I'm I'm a you know <laughs> number one. The cult got me inspired to do what I am doing. You know, so I'm a diehard cult fan. Uh, so I would say I definitely love early the cult, getting into kind of like uh, ceremony and you know the self titled album and stuff like that when it was the more grungy era didn't necessarily resonate and speak with me as much 
So when they came out with Beyond uh, Good and Evil, it was just like, and that rise, that first riff, you know, and they started their shows when they put that album out and they were touring, they were starting their shows with that, and, 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 yeah. and, you know, and it was just like the build. It was monumentous for me. Um, I loved it. Uh, there's the other truck uh, track on there, the uh, ballad I, and the name escapes me. Whenever I'm on the spot, I can't remember my own lyrics, you know, so. <laughs> right. But I think that's one of their best songs ever. Yeah. Um, I think the production was really cool. I I really did dig it. I mean, Matt, and Matt Storm was on drums too. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Matt Storm fan. I love Velvet Revolver. Everything he's done is awesome. So, I mean, it really kind of like, uh, it, it spoke to me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I know you might get like kind of like mixed uh, reviews uh, from people, but... Dave right. Harris, who's another, uh, you know, guitarist in Crush Me Word, he's another huge uh, cult fan. And we talk about that album all the time. And ironically, Mike Gillies, our producer, worked on that album. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that before you worked with him? I oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I always ask him questions about the band. So yeah. <laughs> and he, he, of course, knows how much I love them. So he's always kind of like telling me, you know, Ian would say this and Ian would say that. <laughs> something to parlay into you guys really is the cult you know is always kind of the masters of shifting their sound but yeah still sounding like themselves like they always fit into different eras of rock but still sounded like the cult and i mean right. i assume that you guys could do the same thing throughout the years because you've already on your first album kind of established that that variance you know definitely that's uh yeah, I, I don't want to be kind of like the uh, what you would say, like the one trick pony, you know, I mean, right. there's um, there's certain bands like ACDC that could just like put it out and it's always great. That's their sound, you know, um, but I want to keep evolving. You know, I love all kinds of music and, um, you know, I even I love hip hop. I love old school. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, an 80s and 90s kid. So I even listen to stuff like that. You won't ever hear me doing hip hop. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> but uh, I love everything. You know, I, I love disco. I love art. I grew up on R&B. Uh, I love heavy metal. I, you know, I've I've performed in a heavy metal bands, you know, so um, all of us in this band are just like well diverse and uh, have different tastes and flavors. And I think that's kind of works for us. Um, so we're not going to be just like, that's not rock enough, or that's not this enough. And it's, it's going to be about the song. If the song feels good to us and we think it's a good song, then that's what it's going to be. We're going to allow the song dictate our, you know, our road, our journey. And I hope everybody comes with us because I, I really want to be inclusive. I want to allow, you know, I want, I want to be something for everybody. You know, I want to see a rainbow of people out there at our shows, you know, and singing to us. So. Well, I mean, speaking on that, kind of like you said, listening to everything when you're just driving in the car, or just listening to music. Is it one of those things where it's different all the time or is there something you generally go to? Like if you're just by yourself or with your wife or something. Yeah, that's a good question because uh, I don't really create a lot of playlists. You know, I I do gravitate if I'm driving 
I'll put on something new that I haven't heard yet so I can hear it, you know, whether like, you know, if it's the new Queens of the Stone Age or something like that, you know, or I'll go back and I'll, I'll rediscover like Kings of Leon, you know, early Kings of Leon stuff or Rival Sons or um, early Depeche Mode that was a little bit more b- before my time and stuff like that. I'm always kind of like going back. Um, I love going back. I, I mean, I don't think it's because I'm, you know, getting older and I'm just like stuck in what I grew up and listening to. I love new music as well. I love Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars. I mean, you know, the 1975 stuff like this, uh, you know, and um, I'm always kind of looking for new sounds, you know, or or something that kind of like inspires me. Uh, So that's, I I think, very important to me, you know, Uh, and my kids too. They also bring a lot of new stuff. And I grew, I raised them on rock and roll. I mean, I'm, I, I, I was playing Metallica for them when they were like first and second grade and I was dropping them off at school and I would just blast it to see if I scared them. And they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Beatles. I, I mean, my kids are like one of the only kids that can go like, most kids don't even know who the Beatles are these right. days you know? or Stevie Wonder, you know? Yeah. So it was very important for me that I educated my kids. And uh, so I'm always kind of like paying homage to that and, you know, going back and listening to a lot of Queen and, uh, you know, early new wave kind of stuff, kind of like, you know, bands like Japan and early Duran Duran. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, early Motley Crue, Shout the Devil. I mean, I used to, that's what I would listen to before I went to go get tattooed. Yeah. So... (laughs) I just love music. So whatever it is, if it speaks to me, it's it's the world's greatest language. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's yeah. no I mean, there's a couple of genres I don't really care for, but there's pretty much something in every genre I can get into, you know. It's, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's funny because you know, like uh I went to go see Candlebox last night uh with Dave Harris. He was in t- before he flew out, we got some passes to go see Candlebox. And I wouldn't say that I was ever I I kind of always steered away from Candlebox because my very first girlfriend in high school loved them. <laughs> and it always had like a, a distaste for them because of who, how our relationship was, you know, like right. uh, I can't like them because she was into them and she was terrible to me, this and that. But anyways, we're at the show and they play Far Behind. And that's like one of the greatest songs. And that guitar hook and that, that melody is like when you see it in person too. Sometimes music resonates and hits you differently than if you're hearing it on the radio. So I, yeah, I implore any, everybody to go support local music because it might turn you on to something new that you didn't give a chance, whether it's like, you know, flipping through your phone or you hearing it on the radio. I guarantee somebody's going to come and see us, not who, know who we are, think that we might look like idiots and not want to give us the time of day. But if he sees us there, we're going to convert them. I guarantee it. We're going to convert most people that come and see us. Not everybody's going to love us and and like us, and I'm okay with that. But I'm going to do my best to convince them that they will love us. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with me today. It's always a pleasure and absolutely loving the new album and looking forward to what you guys got coming this fall. Awesome. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Trent, and anytime, man. Just reach out, and uh, we love uh, your support and um yeah anytime absolutely there you go peter summit of crashing wayward 
a huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotion for her continued support of this podcast. Huge fan of Jody and everything she does. The best in the business as far as I'm concerned. And also a massive thank you to Peter for taking some time out there to hit me up on Zoom and talk about all the great stuff we just talked about. So if you're new to the band Crashing Wayward, check out their album Listen. Listen with an exclamation point. That's the album title, and that's also what you need to do, like I've said a couple times already. Hit him up on all the socials, give him a follow, and if you're here for the first time because you're a Crashing Wayward fan, I appreciate you checking us out. Like I said earlier, check out that previous episode, 372 with Peter and Sean, both from Crashing Wayward. We've also had on tons of people throughout the years, you know, 381 previous episodes to this. I mentioned some of those already, but there's also been guys like The Voice of Rock, one of the greatest vocalists and bassists in the history of music, in my opinion, Glenn Hughes of Deep Purple and the Dead Daisies, and Black Country Communion. Also had on Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulick, formerly of Kiss, other Rock and Roll Hall of Famers such as Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. I've also had on Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Jeff Tate formerly of Queensryche, Josh Todd of Buck Cherry, LeJean Witherspoon, and John Connolly, both of Seven Dust, have been on here separate times. Members of Corrosion and Conformity, Typo Negative, Prong, Saving Abel, Buck Cherry. Why did I just draw a blank? There's so many people to choose from here. Shooter Jennings, Helmet, Motley Crue, Whitesnake, Winger, Warrant, and I'm sure many other bands that start with a W. Firehouse, Trickster, L.A. Guns, Kicks, Slaughter, if you love that genre of music, if you love heavy stuff, Testament, Megadeth, Toxic Holocaust. The list is super great and super long, my friends. Dig through it all. TheThunderUnderground.com, you can listen right there. You can listen pretty much anywhere podcast or heard, wherever you're listening right now. Hit like or follow, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that great stuff. If you hit Google, you'll find it that way as well. I'm sure the Ozzy song, Thunder Underground, will be at the top. We should be right under that. Follow us on all the socials, wherever you see us. Hit us up. Once again, it was a huge honor to talk to Peter once again. Crashing Wayward, great new band. Looking forward to what these guys do in the future. So a huge thank you once again to Peter and Best Bet Promotions, and of course, as always, DEB Concerts and Sunset Tattoo, and until next time. Yeah, absolutely. I like to, like, you know, have a better reputation than, you know, the lead singer. Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>